This week on the True Jordy Podcast. The three-time BMX world champion who did things the world had never seen before. And his name is Stephen Murray. But after a freak accident, Stephen's challenge in life would no longer be learning tricks on his BMX, but learning how to breathe again. You know when you see a lion hunt, and it, and it'll take the jugular mm. of uh, an animal. That's what I felt like I was like, like the whole time. Uh-huh. The sun's breathing for me, so in your mind you want to take more breaths, but you got to just stay on however it's breathing for you. You see someone that's paralyzed, and that's all you see. You don't see all the other complications and health things that come with it. The pneumonias, the urinary tract infections, the sores. The, uh, I mean, it's just... You really, There's a you, lot more than just not being able to move physically. Yeah, There's yeah. a hell of a lot more. Fucking hell. I'm in the X Games, man. I can't... All right. I'm going to fucking win the X Games. Oh my, I'm not just going there to take part. I'm, I'm going to go and win. You stripped of the money, you stripped the materials, the house, the cars, and uh, and then you start to see who you real, real people are. Just sitting up, how bad? Just straight sitting up. As soon as I came up past 45 degrees, I'd pass out. Mm. And so then you had to learn to build that up. It's just very small increments. The whole picture just starts to spin slowly, and then it starts winding up, and winding up faster and faster, until a point where I, I try to control it and I can't, and it's just spinning faster and faster, and then flatlined again, third time. Everyone's entitled to hope. Today on the mm. True Jordy Podcast, mm. a world champion. Multiple world champions. Multiple, three times, yeah. if you're counting. Mm-hmm. BMX dirt jumping champion. Incredible. Stephen really. Murray, mate. Th- thanks for coming, Paul. Yeah, welcome, man. Thanks. It's been a long time coming. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, mate. I'm really glad you could make it. Yeah, finally we're here. And uh, funny turn of events, we went to the same high school. I know, it's crazy. Isn't that it? is mad, isn't it? John Spence Community High School. <laughs> thanks for nothing. Personally, <laughs> I've just got to say it. Did you two both have the same experience of high school? And were you similar in high school? I'm sure we did have pretty similar experience yeah. in that okay. school. So your your career is one of the most famous ones, like in the BMX in in, in the X Games community, uh, because you had this meteoric rise and then this accident that sort of changed your life forever. Yeah. Um, you know, what is it like to have gone from? what it seems like living through your body completely for most of your life and all the experiences you can have with this bit of equipment to then having that taken away from you and, and then having to live through your mind much more than you have done in the past. Yeah, it's it's wild, man. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden things come to a halt, you know? And uh, yeah, the first memory I have is just being uh, waking up on the bed and, and it's like I was in a stray jacket. Mm. And I realized, like, fuck, I can't move, you know. Mm. And uh, and then and then it's the reality starts to kick in, 
And uh, but to be honest, I didn't think about it too much in the beginning because I was, you know, I was in a trauma unit. There was, uh, I was just trying. I had one percent chance of surviving it. Jesus, That's what the doctors gave me one percent, and uh, and yes, yeah, so it was just in, so I was in survival mode for four weeks. Can you can you crazy. take us through what happened on the day of like was it like any other normal competition or were you feeling a bit off that day? No, I, I'd I'd never been more dialed on my bike. I never felt better. Mm-hmm. It was uh, you know, I went through a patch before that that uh, you know, I went around the wrong avenue. I drink and drugs and all that, and uh, and, and 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 until I really hit rock bottom. And then it was, uh, it was picking the pieces up. Was there a reason for that? Because I know the community, like they're extreme people, the people who do what you did, like, and and they like to live extreme, party extreme. So, or was there, were you feeling down or was there a reason you did it? Nah, I just think, you know, I was, uh, I was a young kid, 20 years old. And then, you know, you went in like a hundred, Fifty grand in two weeks, and you know you got no family out there, and it's just uh, you know, you, sometimes you make bad decisions, and then you go down that route until all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I mean? I, uh, you know, I, I, one time I wake up in my kitchen, and I've just got like cough syrup all over me, and there's pills everywhere, and I. Uh, I was like, what, what? What am I doing? Yeah. So uh, that that was what really what made me realize, you know, you, you, you really you're fucking up, kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, then I spent six months just rebuilding myself, and I just always in my mind, I'm like, I gotta think like a champion again, mm. because that's what's gonna get me to. You know, to start winning contests again. So every day I start thinking, how what would a champion do? How would, you know, every single little detail until, you know, six months later, I'm feeling fantastic, bro. Going to, I flew to Baltimore. It was the first round of a, a Mountain Dew tour. Mm. Uh, There's five rounds, and uh, so this is the first one. So I really wanted to. Prove to myself, you know what I mean, that are uh, you know I can I can get back on my game and I can be on top. So uh, we, we have two. I need to take a drink or yeah, no worries. Yeah. yeah. Steve, I'm not sure if you've made it clear that you live in California. Where the running caps are. I don't know if you. We can definitely don't, ask. Don't worry about that. We'll, we'll worry about that. We'll go into that. We'll yeah. get there. Yeah. <coughs> Right, what was that? So, so you're on the way to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah on my way to Baltimore. Uh, first round the Mountain Dew tour. Well, with the uh, with BMX Dodge Jumper, and you have two runs, three runs, two to count. So the first one went down. It went amazing. Everything went perfect. I'm like, right, it's on. One more run in the bag, and I'm I'm gonna win this. Yeah. Mm. Uh. Went back up on the rolling, uh, dropped in, there's there's four jumps. So every jump went amazing, just like I planned. And then the last set, I went to do a a double backflip. 
And you're quite famous for this one, aren't you? That's what made me pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I came in and uh, and I just slid out. I banged my head and uh, I was concussed. But you know, uh, I, I needed one more run. So it was like, you know, you just shake off all that and uh, head to the to the Star Hill up the rolling. And, you know, the people were like, you know, you, you shouldn't take this run and I just want to push through it. So when I got back up on the on the Star Hill, it was like, man, I just crossed my heart and, said, you know, said a prayer and in my head and went down and uh, everything went amazing up until the last jump. And I'm going off this last jump when I spin and I tuck in tight for, to do the rotation. And my left foot just slipped off and it was a freak accident. I didn't know what was up, what was down, left or right. I was completely discombobulated in the air. And, uh, and everything was like silent. I was just like waiting. And I landed straight on the parking lot from about 25 foot. And it just snapped my neck and just uh, made me stop breathing. I was knocked out. But uh, I remember waking up on the floor and the medics over me. All my f friends are around me. And uh, and he just looked me dead in the eyes like, Stephen, this is a life or death situation. Let me breathe for you. And I'm just thinking, fuck. You know? So he intubated me, took, stuck a tubes down my throat and stuff. He has this bag called Ambu bag. He starts pumping it, and you know it, in effect, it inflates your lungs. And uh, and I just focused on the medic. And uh, and then yeah, when I got into the ambulance, I flatlined in the ambulance. And uh, and if it wasn't for the trauma center being like five miles away. Like I wouldn't have made it. There's no way I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have made it. And with the you know the amazing medical team that was around, uh, uh, and yeah, just the circumstances had to be the way they were for me to be able to make it. So when I got to the trauma center, I flatlined there again, and uh, and then I spent four weeks just living in hell, and it, there was a. It was like a square, uh, uh, like nursing station with rooms all around it, and uh, and on average, someone was dying every fifteen minutes. It was a crazy place. And did you know that around you, or could you sort of hear things from in and outside the room? Well, you... I just heard stories from my family and right. friends. It would, you know, wow. I didn't know anything outside the room, and I. Uh, Man, yeah, I went through like uh, psychosis. Mm. Where you know, I've been up for like three, four days. Mm. And, you know, they're just pumping you full of drugs. Mm. And, uh, and what yeah, was that was, like? What did that feel like? Oh, it's crazy. I thought I was in a, uh, mm. I thought I was in like a drug lab, and they were using me for an experiment. And uh, were you just mind playing tricks on it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, it's strong as you've got to be, and and I. Uh, in that survival moment, yeah, it's crazy the way the mind works, and you know, the things that the body can do, 
uh, you know, like, and when you're in them moments, you just like flight flight mode, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then I thought I thought my I was laid. My bed in my room is attached to bungees. It was on a slant, and the window was behind us. I felt like I was like hanging out the window. Yeah, so lots of crazy moments like that. But uh, so after four weeks, I got. Uh, Can I just ask, mate? You know, um, like when your family come to see you for the first time, were you told at that point, or who told you that um, you were paralysed? Was it the doctors? Yeah, the doctors. How, how and then, and then my mom, mm-hmm. then my mom like reiterated it to me, right. explained exactly what's going on. How did you digest that? Like, what, how did it? Wait, like, to be honest, uh, when that happened, I had tubes down my nose, my throat. It was, you know, communicating the first, the first time I had to communicate. They brought a letter board out, <coughs> so they would just like point to each letter. Right. And then you just like blink your eyes, you know, mm. and then I, I just spelled a Bible because I was at such a such a low point, man. It was like I had to to grasp for something that was going to give me the strength to get through it, you know. So my my mom just lost it when I spelled that out, you know. But uh, I watched an interview with your mom like right after it happened. And uh, I could I could really relate because she I know a lot of women like her from like the northeast area and that you know yeah. I felt like someone I knew and she described her emotions watching you there because there was a part of her that you were in a hospital bed but it hadn't really occurred to her that you weren't going to be able to get up and walk again afterwards it was like all right he's just he's bad off the accident but you know you'll get back to where he was and it was she said it was when you were first in a chair and uh, your hand dropped off the chair and she said and I, I had to lift his hand back on and I realised that it was uh, it felt like a dead weight and she said and only then did it, the penny drop that yeah. this is paralysis like this is what I'm, I'm dealing with now yeah. and uh, she broke down at the end of that bless her she was really emotional yeah strongest woman in the world man mm-hmm. my mum's my rock for holding everything together, the family together. Yeah. I mean, dad's amazing too. Uh, brother. How, how did the family, um, did you see their reactions or did they sort of uh, hide it from you at the time? You know, you know what? Nobody fault pay or none of that. It was that everyone was so positive, man. And that's the thing is just to, just to maintain that positive attitude and, and just to, you know, n- not let anything negative come in your way because you're trying to survive, man. You're trying to get through this. You can't, you can't go down the wrong a- avenue, you know. So I spent four weeks, man. It's just that it was, you know, I'm clinging on to life by a thread. And after four weeks, I got uh, accepted into this rehabilitation in Denver, and it's uh, it's the number one hospital in America for weaning people off ventilators. Mm. So I was like, I need to be there. That's where I need to be. Because you wanted to breathe on your own. Yeah, you know, <coughs> it's the most horrible thing in the world having a, uh, you know, a machine breathing through you. Yeah. Have that. Can you up, describe and, it, mate? Like, what does it feel like? You know, when you see a lion hunt, and it, and it'll take the jugular mm. of uh, an animal, 
that's what I felt like I was like, like the whole time. Uh-huh. But something's breathing for me, so in your mind you want to take more breaths, but you got to just stay on however it's breathing for you. Mm. You don't regulate yeah. it yourself. You, it's all nah. It's all it's all you know custom to yeah. you. Yeah, I got a drink. Or yeah, no worries, man. We'll get on the uh, up and up in a minute. Haha. <laughs> I'm I'm finding this fascinating personally, honestly. Like uh, I I've never spoken to anyone who's been through this in my entire <coughs> life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, all right. Okay. So you're you're off to Denver. Denver, Denver Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Uh, rehabilitation called Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm on my way from the trauma unit, and so I get into the ambulance, and they're taking me to like the airport to a Learjet, so I can get there quick without any complications. And uh, so I'm on the ambulance, I'm on my way to the airport. You know when you're drunk or when you're younger, like wasted, and you, you lay down and you close your eyes and you get the spins. Yeah. And you're like, oh no. You know, I think it's, I'm going to throw it a minute. It was like that, but my eyes were wide open and I'm looking at the roof of the ambulance and the whole picture just starts to spin slowly and then it starts winding up and winding up faster and faster until a point where I, I try to control it and I can't and it's just spinning faster and faster and then flatlined again, third time. Jesus. Yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. In an ambulance on your way to a jet. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I woke, when I came to, it was like, all of a sudden, there's real white light, and then it went to like colors, mm-hmm. different crazy colors, and then, and then the picture just appeared. You know, all the medics are over me, and, you know, they just brought me back around, and. Like, do you know, you realize what happened? I'm just like, nah. <laughs> so that to bring me back to a hospital uh-huh. to stabilize me. And then it was back to that trauma unit. They still had my room open. Jesus. And I did stay there for another week. Just as you thought you were getting out as well. Yeah. Did they tell you what did happen and why that, why you flatlined again? I, I mean, it was, there was just so much damage to my, to my neck. Um, Because of, because of the nature of the injury, uh, my, the phrenic nerve to the to the lungs or to the diaphragm that's paralyzed. So my right my right diaphragm is completely paralyzed. Mm. My left one is partially. So only operate on like you know seventy five percent of mm-hmm. a lung of a diaphragm. So I had to learn. Uh, so it was just really sketchy, you know, my breathing was super sketch. Uh, so I had to learn how to, uh, you know, talk again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To be able to space my words out to be able to have a conversation. You seem to do really well with that. Like when I watched the videos back with you, the rehab, I, I was impressed with how quickly you seemed to get back to talking. Like, yeah. You see, I, I would imagine you broke a record. To be <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was all uh, 
wild, man. It's yeah. just a crazy ride. One thing that, that I was struck by was the, just positivity and that, like, I have to survive, I have to survive, like, and that will to live. Because a lot of people, when they go through something so traumatic, they don't have your outlook and they don't have that mentality of a champion. Yeah. And, and some of them actually wish it would just end. And, 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 I, and I know your mother said on the, the video I watched, she actually was scared of that, like that you would go down. Um, did you ever have those times where you would go right down and just wish it would end? Or? To be honest, maybe about two years after I got hurt, I had moments where it flashed across my mind. Yeah. But I'm like, nah. That's it. But now I can find, I would tell my mom, uh, you know, because you can't keep that stuff bottled in. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's where people end up going down the wrong road mm. because they can't get it out of their head. They can't talk about it. So, you know, it just leads you down, you know, the wrong path. Because she, um, she was really worried about that. Like on this video I watched, she was saying um, that she actually said to someone at the time, uh, do people who are paralyzed ever commit suicide? She'd asked one of the doctors and they'd said no, but because they, they can't actually do that. Yeah. It's very difficult to do as it is. Yeah. Um, but it definitely was a concern of hers and it's good that he's had that connection where you could offload onto her. And yeah. She's yeah. like your best friend as well as your mom. Oh man, she's amazing. everything, man. Yeah. And, you know, I've got two kids mm. and they were very young at the time. Mason was like two and a half, Seth was mm -hmm. four and a half, almost five. So, you know, dad had to be around for him. Were they the fire in the belly, were they? Oh, 100%, mm. yeah. Yeah. That's quite a shift for them as well, isn't it? Knowing their dad being one, one extreme one lifestyle and then the other way as well. Yeah, you know what, my my youngest son, Mason, he, I mean, he's very young. Yeah. So he doesn't really, doesn't really know any different, you know? My eldest son, he, uh, Seth, he's, oh God, he's almost 15 now, but he, uh, you know, I taught him how to ride a bike and and uh, I just took him everywhere. I did everything with him. So he remembers that to this day. Mm. But the kids are amazing, man. Yeah. They're, they're just, you know, they don't see any difference. It's not. There was a couple of moments on the videos where, uh, to be honest with you, mate, I was ready to fucking cry. Like, because... Uh, your, I think it was your youngest climbed on you on the on the chair he was giving you a hug and all of that and you were taking him looking for shopping for trainers or something like that yeah and I was like I really felt for you because I, as, a, as a man who can just pick a kid up and, and take them around like you obviously were able to I felt bad that that's being stripped away from you yeah you know what I mean like and but I, I loved the emotion came from watching your kids just not caring at all and being <laughs> all over you. Like, they don't care, do they? Yeah, no, you know not I mean? at all. Not at all. Yeah, they're very loving kids, like. Yeah. I mean, that's what I live for, you know yeah. what I mean? You must have gone through your own process, though, of sort of... Um, because, you know, as, as, as positive as you are, you still have to come to terms with a, a real change in lifestyle. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you say you went through the dark moments, but how, how did you go through that? What was that like to accept... That you know, you're not going to ride a bike anymore. You're not going to be competing with with you know the X Games and things like right. that. Right. Yeah. It's uh. You, I just. I, I'm just always 
thinking of what I can do next. Mm -hmm. Like, how can I keep my mind busy? You know, what, what can I fill my day up with? Or just always finding things to do. Mm. That's that's what I. Uh, that's what pulled me out of all the you know little slumps I was in. Uh, and just having great people around me, man. Like my friends have been unbelievable, man. Amazing. Yeah, and, uh, when people go through things like this, you you say that there are some people who will grab you and want to be around you all the time but then there's other people who can't bear the thought of because you were an icon of the sport and, and you were like you are six foot two big handsome lad shredded <laughs> and you know you were flying through the air you were like some people were idolized and, and some people can't bear the thought of having to come and see you when you're not the, that guy do you know what i mean 100%. was there anyone was there many people who just deserted you or yeah yeah some uh some of my close friends didn't know how to deal with it. Mm. Some people can come in and hit it straight on, you know, uh, and others, uh, yeah, they didn't know how to deal with scenery, you know, and uh, and they wouldn't be around mm. either. So How did that it, make you feel? Uh, it was disappointing, man. Yeah, it was disappointing. But... I also had some great people around me, man. Mm -hmm. So I didn't dwell on that too much, you know. I just just did what I had to do and and whatever for my kids or mm -hmm. you know, my family, and that's it. I guess that's yeah. the thing. For some people, do find it quite hard to accept those. Because it's a massive shift, not only for you and maybe selfishly, selfishly for those other people, for them as well, not having that same sort of relationship anymore. Yeah, you know what? There's see, mine was quite a. Uh, my accident was quite, uh, you know, it's quite exposed. There was a lot of exposure yeah. on it, uh, but you know, there's there's millions of people out there that are, you know, that, that, that don't have that, and they're going through this more um, with not as many uh, tools, I guess, as what I had to to get me through this. That's a good uh, point, yeah. So to them people, I would just say, you know, as hard as it is for you to to go through this, the best thing you can do is just open up your mind and just talk to someone. You know what I mean? And uh, and it just offloads everything, makes it a lot easier. Do you, for want of a better word, do you think you went through somewhat of a grieving process of losing something? Uh, I, de I definitely. I mean. You know, I was not I was not a BMX rider anymore. Yeah, I'm still hot. I am, but you can actually tell as well. That's the the there's a. You I've, know, I've seen the that. way you're welcomed into the community. Whenever you turn up at an event, it's like Elvis is. <laughs> you know what I mean. You have the demeanor of a BMX rider. Do you know what I mean? Well, the, I tell you what, the action sports community have been just unbelievable, man. Yeah. Like the amount of support that they give me. Oh, I can't thank them enough. It's amazing. Do you still follow uh, the sport? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. You sort of sponsored some of the the lads with this staying strong brand and the clothing that you you've started doing. What was? Why did the word staying strong mean so much to you? Well, after after my accident, the following do tour, the following BMX event. Uh -huh. All right. They had these Rockstar, you know, energy drink Rockstar. Yeah. They, they had these uh, t-shirts made 
and uh, they just said stay strong on the front and they had my name on the back wow. and uh, and all the riders wore it that following one and it was just a message of you know you can do this you know just no matter what you're going through just stay strong how did that make you feel watching them like, it was that? really cool man it was really humbling yeah mm. it was uh, so so from there I was like all right, what am I going to do that can be, you know, that can I could make a living off, but also do it with a purpose and a meaning, you know? Yeah. And uh, and that was the the bar that stayed strong. I was, I was it, and then it you know it developed into a clothing line to begin with, mm-hmm. and now it's a, a bike company too. So uh, it, it doesn't actually sound like it was a very long time between you sort of picking up sort of some of the threads that you see now like your book and the clothes and the bikes they're not very long between the accident and that actually starting so it doesn't really sound like you have much time to sit around and think no that, well that's the good thing yeah because yeah you sit around and think then you know what I mean that's that's not good for me yeah um, but yeah and the, I mean right after accident you know I mean I'll you know I don't I, well, I totally admit to you know I got uh, hooked on the painkillers and mm. and you know the Valiums and whatever you know all them uh, all the stuff that doctors throw at you and you think in the beginning you know you really need that but then after a while you're in this vicious cycle you know and uh, you become reliant on it even yeah. even if you've Recovered as much as you're going to, yeah, you, and you don't need that anymore. You just keep on doing that of habit because yeah, your mind's poisoned by uh-huh. yeah. by the stuff, and uh, and you think you're entitled to having it mm. after a while because you, you become addicted, you know. Uh, and I was going through an extreme amount of pain in the beginning, and then eventually, that surprised like, me because I, I would have assumed that. Um, you wouldn't have been able to feel like a great deal because of like my lack of education on this subject, to be that, honest with you. What, what kind of pain was it that you were going through? Well, it was massive amount of pain in my neck right. to start with. And then one of the, one of the worst types of pain uh, like after the accident was, uh, yeah, they say that you can't feel anything from mm-hmm. where you paralyze, right? But my spinal cord is not completely severed. Right. It's partially severed. So there's still meshes going down from the brain. Right, okay. Down to the body, but your nervous system is confused as to what the hell is going on. Mm. So I, I receive a lot of neuropathic pain. Uh, and it's like a... It's like a... The, uh, imagine like a wire uh-huh. like as the nerve and the nerve is inside of it mm-hmm. well it's like all that insulation around it the rubber has been stripped and it's just like firing paint it's like it's like uh, you get a road rash when you fall off your, yeah. something on, on top yeah. yeah and imagine when it gets to the height of the pain mm. well that's what it's like and it it comes in uh, in waves I can't still you know 10 years later I can't put a finger on it mm. sometimes it's completely overwhelming sometimes it's fine mm-hmm. yeah 
But uh, but you know, I, I I didn't even realize I didn't even realize I was such a mess on all these prescriptions, yeah. And uh, did it until I oh yeah 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 for sure yeah and then it, it uh you know you see video yourself and then you'd be like oh fuck you know I, I, I need to pull myself out of this yeah and uh yeah and then it was uh you know right and I ended up cleaning up and uh yeah I don't I don't have that issue anymore was that sort of completely alone or were you because uh, I mean part of it is also my instant uh, thought of an addict is someone who's quite alone quite distant from everyone else right. but you actually have to have someone who not enables you but gives you right. the drugs so you've got someone who can actually monitor how many drugs you intake well, yeah exactly well that was the hard thing is when I was going through that battle was uh, you know my caregiver lived with me full time hmm. is he didn't want to see me in pain but at the same time yeah he knew he knew there was a limit but he knew he was doing something not wrong, but kind of not. Right. Yeah, well, in the beginning, you, you don't really. You just want to make sure that I guess looking from a carer's point of view, you don't want them to be in pain or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, did you ever get aggressive when you needed? Nah, nah, nah. I wasn't. Like, it wasn't itching and scratching and shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where were you living during this time? Were you still living? Because one thing we haven't mentioned is you. You lived in California. For Such a, a chill, life. chill guy that you wanted to live in California. So as soon as you were eighteen, you moved over to California and got yeah. the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I grew up in Newcastle, North Shields. The the, the California, of course, of England. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is quite. A, it's quite a free lifestyle. Seems nice. To be honest, it's a lot more chilled out than fucking London. That's what I was thinking. Like, it is definitely. It, it seems a lot more chilled out when yeah. you go north. Yeah, I love it though. Every time yeah, I go yeah. up, it's like, it just feels real. You mm. know what I mean? But uh, and had you uh, maybe we should start a little bit earlier than California because had you always want to move to California or did that become a dream? Always, at some point? Yeah, yeah, always since I was wow, four or five years old. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So did, when you when you were a kid, we'll we'll just go right back to the start when you were a kid. Did you just jump on a bike and think, "Fuck, I'm, I'm in love with this. I love uh, this. Is it? This is what I, I want to do." Yeah, hundred percent. I, I started just before my third birthday. Uh-huh. Is that, like, is that, uh, that sounds quite young. For <laughs> it's definitely yeah. young. Yeah, yeah. My dad, uh, we, we, I'd start BMX racing to begin with. Uh, mm. You know, my dad would push me up over the jumps. Have a little yellow buzz bike with stabilizers. Mm-hmm. All right. But yeah, that was it. I was hooked, and that was it. Just always wanted to be on my bike, always. And I, Were you quite and daring? I, oh, yeah. I was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I put my parents through hell. You know, trips to the emergency room all the time. Yeah. Broken arms, bro- but what broken kind arms. Of, what kind of personality would you class yourself as when you were a kid? Because obviously people are going to look at you and think, well, obviously you're a daredevil. But, would, I mean, you come across as a very kind and gentle person really yeah I start, that's what I try to be uh-huh. uh, I just think you know if you got if you if you can when you get a, a third chance at life like make the most out of it and, mm-hmm. and you know just do kind things do positive things um, it's a lot of built up 
wasted energy trying to hate on something, isn't it? Mm. So, uh, so yeah, that's that attitude I adopted, and you know, I always had that, but there's a lot, a lot of things that you know. I, I mean, it, it was just it became when you stripped of everything you got, you realize what you got. You know, you realize you stripped of the money, you stripped the materials, the house, the cars, the the fun, the, you know, all that stuff. And uh, and then you start to see who your real, real people are. And, and, and some of it was disappointing, but at the same time, I didn't dwell on that. I just rode with all the positive people in my life. It's yeah. funny how some people, when they go through something like you've been through, in a way, it feels like you're getting robbed at the time. But when people look back on it, sometimes they think, actually, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for that to happen to us. But now looking back on it, I gained a lot from that robbery. Yeah, you know what? The good thing about it is, is, um, you know, I don't like blowing my own trumpet, but I've been at a help a lot of people mm. and uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I, if I didn't get hot or if I didn't take the path that I've chosen you know so that's 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 the great thing about that is a lot of people are they found inspiration from what I've been through I, I definitely have yeah. ah, thanks man right. so sort of back to when you when you almost first were getting into biking uh and you got, I mean, you, you say the three when you first started. Yeah. And then you started getting into the dirt trails and the jumps and things like that. And your dad started pushing you around. And then when did you start to sort of just go down on your own and become a bit more independent? Uh, well, when I was four. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, and I just, took, I just got hooked on it. And uh, then when I was five, I became British champion at five. Five? Yeah. I couldn't even ride a bike at five. <laughs> I couldn't even spell British champion at five. Yeah, um, yeah f- so that competition, uh, the competitiveness inside me, very competitive. Yeah. Yeah. And, Were you competitive uh, with with everything, not yeah. just bike, bike? So like if someone wanted to play a computer game with you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So would you see someone else do something and you think, I want to do that too, or, or I can do that better? I wouldn't say I would do that better, but if it, yeah, if it seemed appealing or dangerous, yeah, I'll be right there. <laughs> okay. So sort of anyone doing jumps, anyone backflipping, anyone sort of... Yeah, well, there wasn't really too many people around where I lived that was into BMX, really. Right, so it's quite a small circle, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But, you know, I would always be looking for, you know, the biggest curb to jump off or bunny hop over someone's bike or, yeah, yeah. you know, just... And our, well, that's a weird thing though in Newcastle like this is, this is a sport that is American really like dominated by the Americans and you were able to excel and go over there and prove that the Geordie lads can do it that's right um, of course we can what, what is it about you do you think that made you a champion what, what, what do you have I think it is from growing up at an early age and and seeing not role models uh, and seeing the way they act and seeing their attitudes and seeing 
or why are they a champion? What are they doing? Mm. Like, and pay attention to every little detail. And, uh, and, and, and only look to winners. Uh, that's what I wanted to be. So, mm. so if I could take and adopt, uh, a, you know, certain personalities or things, then, uh, you know, I had some amazing people around me uh, growing up, just racing BMX. You know, we'd, uh, it'd be the same crowd, but you'd be traveling, you know, all over England to start with. And then it became, you know, all over Europe and then it, all over the world. And you see this, you know, thousands of amazing people, friends, yeah? Or, and, and you're all traveling all over the world doing what you love to do. So it's like, not well, a well, job. That, that's not a important, job. isn't it? The fact that you loved doing it, that was your passion. Uh, but one of the things really interesting is you became famous for, was it the double back, was it double backflip or something? Yeah. How, how do you think of that? And then how do you make that happen? The first year in America mm-hmm. broke eight bones in seven months and Jeez. three knockouts. And uh, I was a mess. Uh, so over that winter, I started riding you know, really hard and I learned how to crash. You, know, uh, you went to America without knowing how to, how to crash? Well, no, because when I went to America, I was a BMX racer. Yeah. Uh, more than, you know, it wasn't really a career path in in freestyle or in, the, in dirt jumping. It was, it was fairly new. And uh, so it was a dream of mine to be, you know, I got a two-year contract. But the first year, I just broke myself up. Mm. And, uh, and I had this doctor uh, in Ipswich. And uh, I used to go back there as soon as I got hurt. I'd go back there and I'd walk into his office and uh, say I had broken, one time I had a broken collarbone, shoulder blade and wrist. And uh, and this guy, he heals he a lot of speedway riders. But what he does is, like first you go in the hyperbaric chamber. This is what Eddie Hall used actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just, just unbelievable. For good for recovery, yeah. And healing, yeah. Mm. You know, you, 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 your body's able to carry so much more oxygen to the joints. Mm. It's, uh, so I, I did that, and then I'll go into a room, and you would put, like, uh, it's, um, God, I forget the name of it, like uh, electromagnetic magnets, mm. like over the brake. Okay. And what that'd do is it'd stimulate the healing wow. uh, and it'd like draw all the bone healing properties from your blood to the to the injury. And then after that was done, it was, you know, you couldn't feel it. Uh, and then he would bring this massive laser out and, uh, and it was used to, at first, to, to heal racehorses. Like, you know, a lot of people put millions into racehorses. Mm-hmm. Well, well, horse breaks its leg, can it just chill out on the couch, can it, for, you know, six weeks? <laughs> uh, so it's a way of, in, in, in a sense, welding the bone together, yeah. knitting it together and making it solidify. So anyway, so when this blazer comes out, 
he puts it over the, the, the brake and all, all that uh, calcium and uh, you know other properties of the blood that heal the bone it gets drawn to there and then the laser like hardens it right so like within a you know a week I'm back just doesn't even seem real but literally I go, I go in there one time or another I collarbone my shoulder blade my wrist and one week later I was riding skate park it's unbelievable that is crazy yeah I, so I, I would just do yeah. that and repeat every time I get hot I just bounce back to England do you think that was a, a, in a way a bad thing for you because it made you sort of not respect what was going on to your body and how bad it was on the body uh nah I wasn't even thinking of that that's I what just, I mean though right <laughs> Maybe if you'd taken it a bit more, oh, <laughs> fucking hell, eight, eight bones broken, you, you maybe would have been a bit more careful potentially. Or, like, you know what? I just never, I never let any of that or send me back at the at the end of the first year. Mm -hmm. Let me take a drink. Yeah, yeah no worries, mate. Aha. Is that the medication? Yeah. Dry your mouth up? Yeah. Yeah. Pain in the arse, isn't it? Ah, oh, like my... Right, where were we at? Oh. So we're at the point where you, you've healed the bones and then Brian said, did it sort of make so you I was careful? A, I was asking about your state of mind sort of thing of, like, do you, do you ever think that maybe you could have been more careful at that point? Or No. How old were you no. at that point? So you would have been 18 or 19 at that point? Yeah, I yeah. was 19, 20, yeah. So at that point in your life, you're still quite a f relatively fearless guy, well, really. I, I never broke a bone until I was 19, then I just broke eight in seven months. Oh, just, so that, this is why it had come to your like foresight? Because that, that was the first year of me actually being paid to be a dutch jumper. And not a racer so as I was moving into a new sport that's actually pretty amazing though isn't it that you can go through that long on a bike had you had any serious accidents before you went or do you think you were quite lucky to, you had oh yeah I had serious ones yeah but before you went to California yeah and, but not broken any but no bones, bones no so I mean lucky in a sense but you obviously yeah. said the accidents yeah hell it's a lot of concussions oh, yeah well I mean the concussions are quite serious from there's like a lot of research being done on them right now from people in all sports where yeah. like when you've had a lot of concussions over the years it sort of ages the brain and stuff like that and it it can send people like do lolly yeah pretty much they lose that <laughs> yeah. mind at the end of it sometimes yeah so, yeah like are you ever do you ever look back and worry about that sort of stuff nah nah not at all man it's all good alright you're a no regrets kind of dude aren't you nah exactly 100% yeah, yeah I respect that yeah alright so anyways at the end of that horrific year mm. I started questioning myself if you know if I should just go back home and go to university mm. and uh, I was like you know what fuck this shit I'm gonna dig deep and I'm gonna ride harder and and over that winter I I, I mean I got really really good at, at what I was doing mm -hmm. uh, and I got obsessed with it and uh, so the first contest of the year it was uh, it was like uh, back then it was four runs three count 
and I'm up there with you know my, my idols, yeah, and uh, and all of a sudden you're on the same stage as them, yeah. How did that feel? Oh well, to begin with, I was you know I was nervous around them people because uh, you know all of a sudden you're sharing the stage with them and they're looking at you and uh, but at the same time you can either look at them as being just so good at what they do or you could be like alright I can I can I can hang with these guys you know so I'd practiced at that mm. event over and over and over and over and over uh, leading up to it and, and I knew I could win that contest I just knew I could do it because I practiced so much mm. uh, and then it came down to us four runs three count and after the third run I'd, I'd won it wow. and that was uh, the qualifier for the X Games and uh, and the X Games are the, are the big show they? yeah it's like the pinnacle of, mm. for our sport yeah uh, so I had one more run I was like man you know I'd seen people try uh, double flips I'd seen them get broke off hard Uh I was like, I think I can do this. I got one more run. Had I've you already... ever done it before? Nah. So you'd ne this is the first time you ever tried it. First time. And in yeah. front of a crowd, yeah. you're going to do it now. So yeah, you yeah, never yeah. completed this trick? You'd never even tried it? Never tried it, no. And I think this probably shows a mentality more than anything. <laughs> yes, I had one run, throw away. So I'm like, all right. So there's four jumps and I go down and I just pull up on the one before it. And just get all the pump and just crank and then just hug yourself backwards no technique no form just completely all wrong uh, you know to do that you have to tuck in a ball to rotate I was all penciled out scorpion it was horrific and I came in I nosedived the landing bent my bike in half and knocked myself out but I woke up when I qualified for the next game. <laughs> oh, I thought this story ended differently. I thought he then, I thought that you landed it and everyone was like, well, you're already I done. was expecting yeah. the movie moment here, yeah, the way he's built it up. He's like, put all me talking to him. like, no, fucking and flat he, on his face. And that again sounds like another turning point where you He'd think, already won the competition. You don't yeah. want it. You've got, so, nothing to, you've got nothing to lose except a bike and, and I his, guess whatever else. Brain. But you, <laughs> but you, um, see, you didn't land it. But that sounds like another sort of turning point where you realize that you could land it if you put your mind to it. Exactly, yeah. So when I drove, what didn't really set in <coughs> until I drove away from the contest? And I'm just driving and I'm like, fucking hell, I'm in the X Games, man. I can't. All right. I'm going to fucking win the X Games. I'm not just going there to take part. I'm gonna go and win. I love that. <laughs> and you serious? And this isn't sort of a deluded thought. This is something where you think I can actually win this. 110. percent Yeah. How did you? Why were you so? Why were you so sure? Is this? Is this inner self belief, or is this? You watch the X Games. You know you can beat these guys. What is it that you're drawing no, this belief from? No, it's just inner self belief in yourself. Um, and I knew then that I had to go away and perfect the technique. And I knew I had to have another bang, bang of a trick too. 
and the thing so it was probably about five months until the X Games and the thing that was uh, so hard was keeping it under wraps from everyone else and so I would go I would go ride by myself when skate parks closed I was good with the guy that owned it and uh, I'd be in there at like 11, 12 at night and, uh, and I'd be in like uh, the foam pits and, uh, and I would just go over and over and over and over and uh, and and I started to perfect it, and then and then it just became like second nature. I could just, you know, I, but I'm gonna keep doing it. Over thousands of them, and uh, <laughs> and then when I went when I went to the X Games to Philadelphia, 2001, I was like, man, this is where Rocky is, man. Well, he's my hero. It's actually a pretty special city. It is actually a pretty like Philadelphia is a cool place. I've, mm. I've been there for yeah. a couple of days, and it seems like it's amazing. It's really it's buzzing the street. Yeah, buzzing, you go yeah. and see the steps, and you see like yeah, the, uh, did that day before Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Ran up the steps. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so the so the arena is is packed, and this is the your your big day. You're now there at the X Games. Was was there was there stiff competition that day as well? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the best of the best, then. The best of the best, yeah. Uh, Can I just ask one question? You say you've been from you do all the foam pitting for quite a while. Had you actually landed it before you went to the X Games? No. So there was no point where you. So had you only basically landed into a foam pit before? You know what? I tried it once at a contest, maybe a couple of months before. Yeah. It was after the contest, and you know you were you were feeding off each other, the yeah. riders. And then it, you know, the contest was over, but I was, I, I knew, I had this in my head. I'm done. Oh my, I gotta nail this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I did it, I came, I came round, landed, and just blew my feet off. Right. That doesn't count. You got to ride away clean. You've got to land it perfectly. Yeah. So. Like a gymnast. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the, you know, the window of opening up to land in a, in a double flip very small you're spinning so fast and it takes a lot of power to do this like like you're a muscular like lad weren't you and it like you're you're literally having to throw your whole body weight and get the technique right and everything and land it perfectly this is like one of the hardest things a human being can do I think that's probably one of the problems of watching the X Games is by the end of the X Games you're like I could do that yeah like they make it look easy yeah exactly and that's what you had to do yeah 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 so it was uh it was qualifying I think I qualified fourth. Uh-huh. And uh and then the next day was was practice for the finals. And this is the key thing that really won me the contest. Um we're practicing for the finals and there's like a big roll in on one end that you start off on. It's oh. maybe about how high is that, yeah. I'd say it was probably 40 foot tall Fuck. just steep you had to skid all the way down it well you had to skid two thirds of the way down then let your brakes off mm-hmm. just go and then so there was three jumps one way and then you go up onto a massive big rolling again mm. and you kind of regroup you know get your shit together and then uh, so I was on there and I remember seeing like a uh, TJ Lyron and Ryan Nyquist and 
Corey Nastasio, these are all people that, you know, these are winners. Mm. And I could win the contest. And I was like, all right, I'm going to drop in now deliberately in front of them. And I'm going to do this double flip in practice. And I dropped in and I just nailed it. It was perfect. And I landed, it was just like, fucking right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you just get mobbed and yeah, and then it, and then the media are all around and they want to do interviews and this that. And I just I got all my shit together and I just you know I bounced to the hotel. When you get out of that, don't you get caught up in that circus, you know? So that was in practice, though. That was in practice, yeah. Right. Well, so, and they're obviously all practicing. You're all practicing alongside each other. Are you like what's your thought when you first land that? Are you looking back at them like you just saw? No, nah, no, nah, I didn't look at them. No. Just you, you've got a mission that you're on. That's the champion's arrogance. I mean, it's like I know I can do this sort of thing. Yeah, I'm not even going to look for if you're impressed by it, and now you'll be impressed by it. I'm just walking off. And, it's and that walk off KO. With this, <laughs> yeah, it is. Would these guys have been uh, surprised by that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. it was, you were the first guy to do it, weren't you? First one, yeah, ever. So that was uh, that was game over for them, for me. That's that's just in your back pocket. Yeah. Me. So I went back and you know, I took a cold shower back at the hotel. I was laying on my bed, just just think about it, just think about it, and just know what I knew exactly what I had to do. No, you, we, so that's the out. positive visualization was that part of it like you're memorizing everything in your head right now and thinking then I did this then I did that and all the little the little things that you can only feel that not you can't teach that because you've experienced it yeah at this point yeah so what happened the next day then well it was practice was like all evening mm-hmm. and then no sorry practice afternoon then the final was well, that evening. Oh, that evening. Yeah. So, you know, only had like maybe three, four hours between, mm-hmm. in between. So there's three runs and two to count. And uh, I go down on my first run. On the first straight, there's three jumps. Everything goes perfect. And then all of a sudden, I'm on the rolling on the other end. I'm like, I regroup. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bang this straight out. And uh, I dropped in, and there's a setup set before the last set, and uh, I overshot it. The setup one. Yeah. Is that so? Because I've watched you do this before, where it's like a little, it's like a little, what feels like a little hill, like a long one. And then it gives you that extra acceleration, yeah. Yeah. And you overshot that. Yeah, and I just, (coughs) I just did a straight dead sailor. I'm like, I'm like, it's all right. I got, I got. Two more runs two and two runs, count, yeah. but you got you got to make them count. Some mm. kidding, you know? All right, and then I dropped, and then, and then it was my second run, and everything went perfect. And I'm back on that other rolling, and I'm regrouping at the top, and it was just like a, it was like a dream. I just dropped in and nailed it. It was it was crazy. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a surreal moment. Well, yeah. So you landed it perfectly. Yeah. And when you did, did the crowd go like mental? Oh, the place went nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Went, I went, went, yeah, I went mental. 
Oh, and all your idols at that point are also watching you. Yeah. And everyone else from the X Games community is watching as well. Yeah. You, you're the first man to ever do this in yeah. competition. Yeah. Yeah. So, as as excited as I was, and then uh, I still had to do one more run. You know, I had to fucking nail that too. So just, oh, so because I would have assumed that it was once you've done the perfect run, then you sort of you can drop the mic at that point. Do you, do you have no, to do it again? No, no, no I got to go down again. Mm. So uh, I, I do really good under pressure. I put the pressure on myself, mm. and I. Uh, and then yeah and then I nailed that run and then that was it it was just yeah it was and it started to set in it's crazy and you pull away knowing that from that third round that the gold medal is yours yeah and everyone else yeah. knows that as well yeah 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 they're all tossing me up on the shoulder well, oh yeah it was amazing. I think you know, on, in my book right there on there's the back there's a shot of you there's a shot that's it right there yeah that there's yeah we can get a we got a close shot on, we can get a close on, shot on here that. We'd, well, we can do. That. I'll be the one. He loves holding <laughs> There you go. You look, uh, you look remarkably like a YouTuber called Jake Paul. Yeah, he's quite famous. He's a. You're he's slightly a better looking yeah. and slightly less of a uh, an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so after that, it is got, weird how much you look like this guy. Jen, it, what's his name? Jake, uh, Jake Paul. Paul. Jed, Wait, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a photo because oh, yeah, there's some people watching will be going oh for fuck's sake Brian. And, but, and at um, the same time it also is. you just you just got to watch his content it's just incredible no it, is, it really isn't but um, we're there just so you know I say to you guys who sit around in a room um, whilst so whilst you're whilst you're celebrating because BMX I think what people don't or maybe do understand about BMX and skateboarding and that sort of that lifestyle is that actually it's different to say football or soccer or that yeah. sort of competition you guys are actually quite close and there's friendships within those groups oh holy shit yeah you do look a bit like them didn't let you? me see let me see you got hair like my son <laughs> yeah let me have a look it's, let me have a look again. it's uncanny he just dresses like a BMX guy he just he dresses I don't know if he can actually do it on that I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he dresses he dresses like a what we call in England is he, <laughs> is he the kid in college with a backpack and the skateboard that can't skateboard yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. we all need one of them um, so, so you're the gold medalist at this point we're going down his friendship really. but I, I, I want I want to get this one bit out because I was watching this thinking to myself oh, oh. sorry you, you, I watched a video interview right after this point where you said yeah I'm kid from Newcastle riding a BMX and now all of a sudden I'm making 15 grand a month I've got a jacuzzi outside of the house like you became an absolute living legend at this point you're loving life no doubt the girls are coming over I wish I could have been been there to celebrate (laughs) with you what was it like when you became the man Uh, well right after I'd won you know we partied into the night and the next day it was it was our yeah, it was amazing. But two weeks later, I had uh, had the a competition called the Gravity Games. Yeah, I've heard of that. It was the same as X Games at that at that time, uh-huh. just as prestigious. Yeah, I so I was like, man, I need, and I, and I would hear people saying fluke, and you know that was a fluke. Yeah, I'm like, all right, you fuckers, all right, I'm, I'm gonna go away and I'm gonna learn something else has never been done before. 
And uh, and I went away in a in that short time of two weeks. I'd be there at like midnight to like two in the morning, uh, by myself, you know, with a friend, you know. I uh, and I learnt uh, three hundred and sixty turn down back look. So it's three tricks in one. So, you know, so you do the flip and the three hundred and sixty. And you kind of wrap yourself up yeah. on your bike, and uh, and 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 I remember I, I lived with uh, at the time I lived with my friend at Corina Stadio, uh, and I came home late, and I showed my old camcorder with the, you know the high eight tapes, and uh, I was like, look, I'm like, look what I just learned. I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and do this at Gravity Games, and he thought I was out of my mind. <laughs> so and I left that morning, eight in the morning, and uh, and I went to um, where was it, Rhode Island, uh, and uh, yeah, it was crazy. And I, and I landed that the, the first the I was you know this is the first time I tried it on a jump. Yeah, and uh, and I landed that, and I landed double flip. It was just. And it happened all over again, you know. And I won that contest too. And was that when the naysayers were shut the fuck up, well and truly? Yeah, 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 yeah. Have to silence them a little bit. Solidify that. Yeah, but the the craziest time about that was, you know, I I was part I partied, you know, I was raging that night, and um, and I met some, you know, as you, when you party, you you end up find yourself with like random dudes that you think are super cool and then all of a sudden there was this kid there was this kid from Boston that I got to meet and uh and he and he was he's a party animal though and uh, you know he was providing the fuel for the party mm -hmm. and uh and uh fuel for the party <laughs> <laughs> and uh god it was been like what three four in the morning and uh and I was like right I'm gonna go I'm gonna drive back with this kid to Boston, and uh, and I'm gonna fly from Boston to LA. And when you've been partying, and all of a sudden reality kicks in, you start to come on a bit of a come down. Mm -hmm. I got cold feet, and I, I took my original flight, but that fl that flight from Boston to LA was. One that went into the Twin Towers. Fuck. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Fuck me, mate. Yeah. I tell you what. They say you shouldn't do drugs, but <laughs> that fucking come down <laughs> saved your bastard <laughs> life, lad. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, man. Crazy. I mean, literally. So I just, I literally just packed my shit and bailed out and then when when I arrived in LA did he get on the plane this other guy no no he drove back to Boston yeah so I was going to continue the party all, oh. all the way you know I'm like I'm I'm partying I'm in party mode yeah and uh yeah so yeah that's quite nuts it's a kind of a close shave yeah a little bit yeah, yeah. so when I got to LA maybe like it might have been like a, a half a day and it went by and then so this I is 2001 
Yeah. Yeah. September. And then I hear all the news. Mm. I'm just, I'm just how did that feel? Just stunned. Just stunned. Just kind of chilling yeah. as well because you yeah. know you've just dodged something that you know is dodged a big bullet for sure. Yeah. 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 But relief, but also kind of a that could have been me sort of thing, which t- makes it a lot closer. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it, it was another thing that was nuts is my my best friend. Yeah, uh, Corey Nastasio, he, uh, uh, another professional BMXer. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before that, he got this tattoo on his arm, and it was of uh, was a Statue of Liberty holding a, a bomb in a hand, and and it's going up in flames. It was just weird, man. Yeah. It was just, you know, eerie. You realise how much, it, yeah, how much has changed since then. No one would tattoo that on anyone. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, no way, no. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Do you want to um, drink? Yeah. Drink with us. Don't mind. Did you keep the tattoos? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. I wasn't expecting you to say that. I thought you were to tell the shagging story about Corey there when they said that. <laughs> That stop you in your tracks a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm not, no, I was <laughs> fucking yeah. not expecting that. Do you know, like, I think, do you want to talk about um, what I what I what I know is is like because like in every walk of life, there's like the groupies and that, and I'm pretty sure the X Games had some good groupies. Was no, there no women around? Not allowed any was, women. You weren't allowed like? women, were you? What was that like? Because you were a handsome bastard. Oh, the I bet time you took them up on the offer. <laughs> But at the time, I mean, I was like, I was quite shy around like all of them. Yeah, it was all, it was, it was all, it all came really fast. You know, we all had a really cool girlfriend at the time. Uh-huh. She kept me very grounded. Yeah, and it wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't want to do the dirty on her because she was, she, she was with me before. So you, All this shit, you wanted you know? to take care of that sort of thing. Yeah, so she was yeah, also yeah. from uh, North Shields? No, nah, she's from uh, Lamarado, right. California. Okay. And uh, uh, there's a couple of years that went by and then, you know, I was like, uh, you know, I, I had to let it go. <laughs> I can only reject these women for so long, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Temptations were everywhere, yeah. Really? Yeah. And did you find, did you struggle with that then? Uh, I just I, I mean for the next like three years after that four years I would win I would win more contests and I'll get a lot of like seconds thirds but sometimes I would be going to contests and I'd be up all night and uh before competition yeah yeah and, and and I could get away with it and still pull off, you know, on top three, and uh, and then eventually it, you, your results started. To it caught up with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know the money side of things? How did you handle that? Because like you were a really young lad. Yeah. To be on what was it, hundred and fifty grand a year or whatever you were getting. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah. How did you handle that? Because you don't seem driven by money. I've ne- I've ne- nah. But obviously, it's a necessary thing to have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, to me, money just enabled me to have fun. 
and do things, you know. And whether, you know, I had, uh, you know, a lot of friends around me. Well, I thought they were my friends, you know what I mean? Mm. A lot of Klingons. Yeah, you uh, get yeah, that, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, and uh, like, yes, man, you know what I mean? No one to tell me no. People yeah. gassing you up and that. Yeah. All right. And you lived in a, I don't imagine, a fancy place in somewhere yeah, in California? Yeah, a beautiful house, uh, a Corona. Okay. And uh, I, put my, I put a lot of money into this car. Uh-huh. It, was, it was a Chevy tar, it was like a okay, yeah. SUV and it had, you know, the, the airbags, you bounce it up and down and all the TVs and the sound and, you know, all that. Uh, <laughs> Rims. Oh yeah, yeah. You were not like a typical lad from Shields, like, like, did did any of your mates from home say the kind of life you were living and what were they like? Uh, or did you sort of lose track of them after you went big? No, 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 no. I would always go back to Newcastle, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, just still, still very the same, you know? Uh, uh, but yeah, you don't realise, you don't realise that you've got all them yes men around you, all the Klingons. You, and, and, and until you know until you, you shit's going downhill yeah and then you start seeing drop off so you don't want to believe that I don't think anyone wants to believe that someone's a friend for any other reason than yeah, genuine reasons it, yeah. yeah especially when you're in the fire and you're, you're in the moment and, and you just you're there and this is gradually happening were, in front of your you, eyes but you can't see it were you a bit naive do you think you're a bit like because you were yeah, young yeah 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 absolutely yeah uh, yeah, I mean, I got I got taken advantage of big time. Mm. By, uh, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of different people. Mm. Can you remember any ways in particular where people would take the piss? One in particular, yeah, very well. Is at the time I was partying like crazy, man, and I uh, I was at my girlfriend's house at the time, and she had she had uh, lent money out this guy and he worked in like a he would deal with high-end cars like you know ferraris and all that type of stuff and he would use her money to get the cars sell them and then you know give her the, the whatever percentage profit and it and it was solid she didn't make a lot of money to this guy and uh and at the time it had been partying for like three four days you know, I was awake that long. Alright. And uh and, and I wanted to sell I had a big lifted truck too. But I wanted to get rid of them both and just get a, a car, you know? Alright. So when when the guy came, I just want I just wanted to sign whatever it was to the contract to sell cars. You know, I could barely even see the freaking paper or whatever was written on it. Wow. I was seeing like five different papers. Like, Why do I sign, you know? And uh, so I signed that and I left the registration, uh, the pink slip in my, in my glove box. And one of the cars is totally paid off. Mm-hmm. The other one I had a small loan with. Anyway, so this guy took my cars and th- he told me that he'd sold them after about three weeks. And I... Uh, and I went to meet him over the, the, the next six months. I went to meet him nine different times. I traveled from Corona to Newport Beach about an hour, hour and a half. And, uh, and he would just want to show up. 
and then and then all of a sudden I'm just like shit alright so everything started to focus on trying to find this guy <laughs> you know everything else took a backseat fuck like, BMX and I'm gonna nail yeah, this bastard. yeah yeah he's gonna have it uh, yeah uh, alright so so while uh, I mean it got to a point to where I, I got a private investigator to find out wow. where this guy was. <laughs> <laughs> and this is well, I'm in these I'm in these shops like ex detectives, <coughs> spy equipment and stuff, and I'm like shit. <laughs> fucking no interest in the shop, but apart from you know, my car my I'm like I wouldn't be here. I'll never be in these shops. And uh so the guy found out what happened to my car where it was and uh, so that the the car salesman he got my car and and within two days it, it got transferred three times so he sold it and I sold it for 54 grand and he went and sold it cash for 27 grand to the, a car, car dealership Okay. Then the car dealership transferred it to another car dealership. It was a ring of people that were in on this shit. Yeah. And uh, and then it got trans. Four weeks later, got sold uh, to Phoenix, Arizona, to some guy there. So I'm like, right. So where does this guy live? What's the route from the airport to his house? What's the route from his house to his work? You know, I knew everything about this guy. It's, and I would, you know, I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I'm just on a goose chase. Yeah. And uh, so one morning, me and my dad would fly out to Phoenix, super early, like five o'clock. All right, and we'd get to this, we'd drive to this guy's house. He lives in a massive mansion. It's massive. All right, and I'm waiting outside there. It's like, please just roll out my car, please. So you know. And the garage door opens up, and I just see my baby roll out of there. I hear the airbags, and I, you know, I'm just like, did I put a lot of work into this? And I, and I went to get out the car. I mean, it was just, everything boiled over, and I wanted to, you know, get, get my car, yeah, yeah. Uh, at all costs. And now dad's like, son, he's like, be patient. He's like, just chill. So we followed the guy to his work. And uh, he worked at a real, a real estate company. So he got out the car. And I still had the, the bleeper to open it up. So I hit the alarm and it opened it up. I'm like, yeah. So I get in, the, get in my car. You know, just the smell, just everything about it. I was like, oh man. And I... Uh, so I drove to the GM dealership and, uh, and I went to get a key cut for my car. And when I gave the, you know, the switch to him, the, the, the alarm and, you know, my registration and all that stuff, he went away and, uh, and he came back about five minutes later and he's like, like, your registration's two days expired. I can't get you a key. Ah, unbelievable! So I go back to the uh, to the guy's workplace, 
and I go into his workplace and he's the you know he's the boss and uh and I just knocked on his door and my man I'm like I need 30 minutes of your time I'm like it's about your car and I uh, sat down with him and 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 he was just the innocent guy on the end of you know a crooked ass yeah. ring and uh and he went through everything with him and I went through the whole story and went uh, all the paperwork and I was just like look I'm like that's not my signature I'm like it's not you know but in the end there's, no, there's nothing I could do yeah there's nothing I can do so I spent a lot of time wasted time wasting energy and then when I got back to California I was like dude I just gotta let it go yeah I gotta just let that shit go Wow. Sometimes you got to let go. You're quite an obsessive person as well, aren't you? Yeah, like, let's yeah. Be, like yeah. that is part of your success is, is, is constantly being able to drive your mind and make you achieve whatever you set your mind to. Yeah. But on this one, you had to just admit defeat. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. So how and long? then you got to let it go and you got to, and then I just use that as motivation to just do better. Earn yeah. more money, buy a new car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How long it uh, <coughs> into this career BMX did you meet your future wife uh, I was 24 yeah. 24 uh, so this was like yeah. four years after you won your first world title yeah, yeah, yeah. and how many had you won in the intervening time had you won all three X games by that point three X games and gravity games yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah no no and then you know, I bought this massive house and I uh, and it built you know my dreamy yard jumps all around it yeah. full pipes made out of wood just just shit you dream of and you just make it become reality and uh yeah I was living the dream for sure that's actually what I wrote down when I when I was researching your life I had to start living the dream <laughs> you were you were yeah like a young lad just doing what he loved and partying and having a great time and yeah. a fuck ton of money yeah yeah so what yeah. what was the relationship like with her then? Because you seemed to go off. Uh, well, you know, it was. I thought it was great at the time, but you know, we would put, we would party together, mm. which was it was, it was terrible. It was, it was not a, a, a good a good uh, relationship for sure. Uh, and, and and you know, she she'd be uh, taking these prescription tablets and uh, I didn't think anything of it I didn't know I was like, whatever I didn't even is that how you know. met just partying and that yeah yeah mm-hmm. it was all out of the party um, and she'd be taking these painkillers and tell me you know that they, they just helped me get through my day I'm like you know I'll take a couple of them see how they are try it out and uh I didn't think of a big thing about it, and then all of a sudden, I'm taking these things every day. You know, and 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 it just got crazy. You know, you're getting them from um, shady doctors, from people. Um, what were the tablets? Uh, they were called Norco's. They're like hydrocodone tablets. And uh, what feeling did you get from them? Uh, just like content. You know, you just content and. Uh, energized and then uh, 
you know, got got to a point of where I'd, you know, be taking other tablets and see what they're like and, you know, just experimenting and then, uh, and then it got to that point to where I woke up on my kitchen floor and, you know, and my parent, my parent, my mom, my granddad was coming to California and got, it got that bad at the time that I, I, I didn't pick them up. I sent a limo to pick them up. Okay. Oh, wrong move. Yeah. Yeah. And I... Look at the day and They didn't know the time, so... You know, I was trying to pull myself together, and they came in, I was just, like, laid on my... on my floor, watching TV. Just, you know, they could tell straight away. Yeah. And I tried to shake it off like it was not a big deal, and... Yeah, it was a big deal. And, and was your granddad someone you sort of respected and looked up oh, to? Oh, 100%, yeah. So you, was an he... amazing guy. Yeah, so uh, it was just very shameful, you know. And I, and I knew who I was, the core, and it was, try, it was time to hop on that horse again, yeah? Stop. And just it, leave all yeah. that shit behind. So you, you'd just been sort of doing the drugs. You hadn't really been uh, practicing much in that time. Hadn't really been doing much. Nah, you know what? I, I, it got to a point to where I'd be looking at my bike. I was like, fuck. Like, no interest. I didn't even want to ride it. Yeah. I just wanted like a normal life. Yeah. Like I just wanted, I, I was like, I, I just wanted to have a normal job. I didn't want to do that anymore. Did you, did you, did you, is it, was that because you'd sickened yourself because you put thousands of hours into this or is it the drugs? Yeah, well, we, well, you know, well, I think it's a combination of both because, you know, I'd achieved so much and I'd been doing it since, you know, I came out my nappies. And, uh, so I got burnt out at the same time. Yeah. It was a combination of being burnt out uh you know all the partying and the and, and the consumption of you know drugs and stuff. All right. You know, and 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 then, and then when I picked myself back up, I remember I just remembered what my bread and butter was and what I really loved to do, mm. and and you know I found a new love for riding BMX again, and I started to you know and it the first couple of weeks it was hard. It really was hard. Did you think that you'd lost a step? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I felt like shit riding my bike again. I, I, it was... But I just kept pushing through. Was the fitness and, just not there? Nah, 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 nah. You know, I've been lifting weights and uh, I was quite big at that point. I got to 220 pounds. Fucking hell, that's like 16 stone. Which is also not Yeah, good on a BMX, for... terrible, man. Which, yeah. in, in your in your peaks, you must have been about three stone lighter than that. Maybe more. One, 187. All right, 187 so, pounds. Yeah, so yeah, so you'd have been naturally like 13 stone guy, and then you've gone up there. Yeah, uh, and I'd see a video of myself riding. It's like, oh man, that's not happening. Yeah. But then, you know, I had to also shake all the weight off, and that took a lot of time. Surely BMX helps. It's quite good cardio, though. It helps you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you're out there riding in like, you know, ninety degrees to hundred degrees weather. Uh, you sweat it off. The good thing is, is you know, I'm just pounding so much water and uh, to clean my system up pretty quick. And uh, and then after about 
two or three weeks, you start to feel it coming again. You start to be in the moment when you're on your bike rather than just being on your bike, mm -hmm. you know? Because for me, I mean, I've never achieved anything like what you do, but I, I, I can relate it to weightlifting because there's like, there's days I'll go into the gym and I feel like shit and I feel weak as piss. And then there's other days where I feel like I could just grip the bar and do whatever the fuck I want to it. And I'm just untouchable. And was it a similar sort of state of mind that you were in like, oh, I'm, I'm on now, this is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the confidence started coming mm. in. And I, yeah, because I wasn't, when, when, when you can't make the bike do what you want to do, that's not a cool feeling for me. Like I like to be in, in the moment, in control, feeling it, like feeling the bike, mm. you know, not just being on it, but being a part of it, mm. being one, everything at one. And I, and yeah, I just started to get better and better and better. How, how much of what you were that you, you know you look at some champions whether they be football boxing whatever there's some guys who are like naturally just born to do it and then there's some guys who aren't genetically gifted but they work hard and they make that up and overcome it what percentage would you say was natural in, in hard work hard work all the way yeah yeah I, I wasn't you know you've got these gifted people like you know John Jones in fighting you know yeah. or uh, in BMX, or uh, a guy Dylan Clayton, all uh, right, extreme amount of talent these people have, and it's it's quite often that you find in sport that the most talented people are the most wasteful, and it, it's very rare that you get extreme talent and hard work combining mm -hmm. together. The because, ones who are because, gifted it, they don't appreciate it as then much. Then you produce like a Floyd Mayweather. That's that. Mm -hmm. All right. But with me, I don't think I was naturally talented at it. I just rode my ass off mm -hmm. and had fun doing it. You yeah. know, in terms of getting married, what what was it? Because you were very, very young to get married, weren't you? 25, yeah. 25. That's pre well, that's pretty young. When you're in, What was the reason for that? Was there a... a that, well, that was... Uh, what what I wanted well grown up having your know, parents are divorced and all the crap that comes along the the line with that I wanted I wanted to have the perfect what kind of crap uh, came along with that and you, like oh I just uh, you know just the was well, your parents are split up and then there's you know it's arguments between them yeah. and uh, you know you you here you there you just uh, do you find that quite difficult when you were younger. Well, the good thing about in my situation was I had my bike, yeah, and all, all of that, uh, all of that loss was put. I just put it all into my bike, and I would just, you know, I'd just ride and ride and ride. Did you? Did and you ride between I loved the houses? Do. Did you go from parent to parent? On your uh, bike and I live with my mom. I go down and visit my dad too. I. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I always had my bike, and so from when I was fourteen to eighteen, I lived with my just my mom, and I, uh, but I knew where I wanted to be. And that was 
in the sunshine riding my bike in California. So the reason you got married, apart from the fact that you'd met a girl who you obviously really like, but in the back of your head is, I don't want to do what my parents do. I want to be with someone who is that forever. Yeah. And that was the honest intentions. Of yeah, it. yeah. And despite the fact that and you just partied with her, you thought that was that was the right route to go down. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. I just, I just I wanted that uh, norm, normalness, yeah. And did she offer House, that, cars, uh, dot jumps, all around, you know, kids. And is that that was everything, that was everything for me. I don't know, I don't know. Okay. At the time, it, you thought that that was your plan together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you, you had kids not long after that, yeah? Nah, after, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. they, they were, I think they were, I watched a video of them and... Um, yeah, it was literally like a year, uh, six months after yeah, I met her, pretty, pretty much. quickly, yeah. Yeah. So you've got, you're now this young, successful man, got a couple of kids, like, you're happy. Um, what was it like when you first had the boys, the two lads that you've got? Oh, man. Is it? Um, when I met my Melissa, she she had a son already. Right. Uh, uh, he was a year when I first met him. Mm-hmm. And, and then... Uh, and then I started to, you know, be around him more and more and more. And then when he was two, I just moved them both in with me. And then I had Mason and married, and then Mason came along, and and uh, yeah, that was. Were you a good? Would you say you were a, a a good dad? I think so. Yeah. Sort of came naturally to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're all we're all human. We all make mistakes. We're no one's. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you felt quite like a paternal father. Some men, oh yeah, hundred percent. Some I'd... men shit the bed when they become dads, but like judging by the video I've seen of you, just straight in there naturally. Yeah, and there were yeah. no, there were, uh, there were no sort of drugs at that point. You cleaned up. At which point? Uh, when you had your kids. A- after having kids. Yeah, yeah. You were you yes. were both clean. You were both clean yeah, at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did it make you not grow not, up? not not straight away? It's no. still it's still took and, and that was the thing. Is the guilt of partying, yeah, and having two beautiful little human beings that you're responsible for? It's like the guilt was tremendous, man. Mm. Oh, I... Did did, so, did you yeah. look at them the day after and things and think? I'm, oh I'm yeah, you down. yeah, yeah. I would feel terrible, man. Yeah, I feel terrible. You know, oh, I... did they make you grow up? Generally, do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, and then you know what what happened was, uh, you know, the sponsors started to dry up. You know, so all of a sudden, you know, you know, you you barely, you know, you got one or two sponsors where you had ten before. Is that because you weren't achieving on the exactly? Track? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think well, I think, you know, it got out there a little bit. You know, I was a little little bit wild and uh, adventurous. <laughs> but your responsibility in, is, as a man at that point is to provide for this family and then you're like I'm fucking letting them down I right, mean, right so that's when I want to just get a normal right. job yeah uh, yeah yeah what, what what kind of normal job did you want I didn't mind really doing anything right I'd do anything just why, why whatever would job? support 
Why though? I uh, just because I, I I'd done this all my life uh-huh. at this point, and I could I couldn't see how that you know when you lose your support and sponsors, it's like you go into like almost uh not desperation mode, but like uh you know I started growing a lot of weed in my house to sell or to smoke to make money right yeah yeah to, to provide for my family and uh you know in California it's it's legal now but it but wasn't then it wasn't then but it was a slap Relax. on the wrist you know I know and I had a crazy operation in my house fucking hell yeah yeah it was how much money would you say you were making off of that like ah dude I'd probably say off my first one 14 grand off my first one of your first batch first batch uh-huh. but then as soon as I'd done my first batch <laughs> you see there would be okay here come the Mexicans alright uh, <laughs> that's actually uh, what we're going to call the podcast uh, alright we've, we've had a few people talk about Mexicans uh on, on the show for, for the same reason yeah they seem like fun <laughs> so uh, so here come the Mexicans yeah so they'd be the they'd be the Klingons you know and <coughs> you know they, they would they would look at us and see how they could latch on and mooch on onto our lifestyle right and uh, so then what they would do is a couple of them would have it uh, you know they've been drug dealers uh, and they would uh, they would get houses like maybe you know, a mile a couple of miles from mine and then they would have a a fake yard put up like dirt jumps around the house copy what setup that I have or try to they can do a good job of it but to the normal person I guess you know that's that's their cover, you know? That's, can I just say, that's really unusual behavior, isn't it? That's, I've never thought, like, for you, 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 I, you I, don't, I don't think, oh, I'm going to go and buy a set of weights to impress Brian. <laughs> you, you've not noticed people copying us? No. Like, almost I've to noticed, the exact... I've noticed people copying, but I, what, what I do find unusual is building jumps in your own back garden, mm. especially as they, I'm assuming, they don't have bikes. Nah. Yeah. Mate, I've just built some jumps in my back garden. Why? <laughs> well, it was, I just love the, no, they're, so, they're beautiful so they're features. Emu- they're emulating you. They're trying to, uh, to as a cover. And what yeah. did they say? They, they, would they sort of call you and be like, do you want to come around my house and sort of do some jumps? Oh, uh, yeah. They were, they were, they were just in it for the money, man. Can I just they also, wanted, that was their way of living the lifestyle, you know? And were they, uh, what people would consider so stereotypical uh, Mexican, Mexican drug lords. Yeah. <laughs> what was that one? Mexican drug lords. Like, were they, were they <laughs> sort of stereotypical? <laughs> 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 I could do a wheelie. It's not the accent they have. Um, but was so were they sort of stereotypical? Uh, what people would imagine when they think of it. Um, I think know. they're slightly cooler than that. Yeah. Right. Uh, El Chapo's not very cool, like is it? <laughs> You don't let him mean so the same. Can I, can I just ask? You were obviously used to a, a, a very large amount of money coming in from the sponsors, and, and you become accustomed to that kind of lifestyle. So when you said I was going to get a normal job, I did think to myself, going from 150 grand a year or whatever you ended up at your top level 
to, to a normal salary. Especially a starting wage. Yeah, it would have been yeah. very hard. So was that part of it, why you started growing the weed? Because it is, it's going to bring a lot of money in Yeah, exactly, well. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what happened, so after after my first batch. Right, <laughs> first batch. Uh, I heard that, you know, well, an acquaintance, I want to call my friend, who had the whole setup, the big cover, uh, his house got busted. Wow. And I was like, all right, Shit. I'm fucking next because, look, I'm a duplicate. Oh, he's a duplicate. What? What I've got going on? So I just ripped everything down, bro. That was it. I was ripped everything down. And uh, that, that was the end of my uh, you know <laughs> breaking bad style yeah we so you had all the lights up like and that you know so i went through all these wrong avenues that i realized in the end you know that i was i was making stupid decisions and i and, and you know that was when i started to throw it all back into my bike again right it always comes back to the bike yeah for the third time yeah <laughs> third ish time yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, you also said you're religious, or you sort of you say a prayer. Would you? Yeah. Would you? Would you say you actually are religious, or would you? Yeah, yeah, uh, I believe in God. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so um, it sounds a lot like you sort of strayed from the path of what most, you know, sort of kids who are brought up religious. Yeah, believe. that typical. Uh, yeah, I'm not. That's not me. I just, I just, for me, I feel like that everyone has the. If you believe in something, then you have your own relationship with what you believe in mm -hmm. it's not someone else's relationship or how you should be to believe in the same thing mm -hmm. nah it's a personal relationship man uh, you know I'm not not really too outspoken about it or it's just the, it's what I believe in yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you want to stop for a, a drink a yeah Paul or something yeah yeah Right. How long we going? One hour. One hour. What? Fifty-five zero. Fuck! I know. It feels very quick. It does go quickly, doesn't it? Especially when yeah, you're the one getting questioned a lot of the time. I've noticed that. Yeah, with these bright lights, it feels a lot more like a police interrogation than sort of yeah. Which is ironically what you ended up getting. Yeah, yeah. Trying to pull it out. Yeah, Chris, can you get more? Yeah. Watch out, like, do you ever watch uh, Narcos? Yeah. Oh, I've heard all about it, but I haven't seen it yet. I'm definitely oh, going to... It's incredible. Uh, it's good. Is it on yeah. Netflix? I've not watched, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I've not watched Series 3 yet. Yeah. I have, oh, yeah. Is it Sick. good? Yeah. Is it, yeah. Is it all in Mexican? No, it's half in... Oh, yeah. In sub, half subtitle, yeah. Because he's dead. he's dead now, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, Are you fucking joking? You know that such he, a cocker. Honestly, no. You know that he dies. You're like, a fucking. I don't have a clue, do I? Yeah, I haven't watched you. it yet. No, it's not about. It's not a main. It's not. Just stop drugs. telling us things it's about it. Right? I'm gonna watch it. It's about the drug dealer who's dead. Dealer. Like, it's about his story. dealer. Wheeler. Stay where you're going. Harry. Harry. <laughs> all right, all right. So that 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 was the thing. Is uh, is I started to see. I started to see what was going on with every other drug dealer that I knew. And you were next. And that's, you're going to get killed or you're going to end up in jail. 
unless two places I don't want to be. Yeah. So you go back to the bike. Yeah, back to the bike, back to the basics, right? You know. But that's what you were good at. So I, I'm surprised you ever steered away from it in a way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's you going. I know you. You said you were more hard work, but at that point, that was what you were good at. Yeah. In life. What was the aim of going back to the bike? Because if you've lo- if all your sponsors have dried up, uh, was your aim to get back in with those guys and start to? I uh, well, the thing is, is if you when I went back back into it full swing, or uh, all the all that followed was you know like you just go and ride and and ride your best and love what you're doing and just you have the passion, you have the drive. Everything else comes behind it, right? So that will all come, and yeah. I, wasn't worried about that. You knew that route back in. Yeah. You'd been, you'd Success yeah. breeds all of that as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So was this the final, are we now on on the sort of run up to, to the, the crash that you had? Yeah. Now, this is the this is where you sort of double down and you say, right, I'm going to make a good go of this now. And how long yep. was that time? How long was what time? How long was the time from when you decided to pick back Start up again. To when you started competing again? and Six months. Okay, five months. So from sorry, from quitting the dealing to the crash was was that five six months? Yeah. All right. So that wasn't yeah. a long time at all, then, was it? No, nah, no. Nah. And looking back on it, do you? I get. I guess I'm wondering. Do you put any of the crash down to maybe taking time off, or is there any explanation that you've got for it in your head? That might have been the journey that we've sat and listened to here. That you can pinpoint anything, or was it just a freak accident? Oh, absolute freak accident! Yeah, yeah. complete freak. You know, my foot just slipped off mm-hmm. when you rotating mm-hmm. that fast. Mm-hmm. It's so much. Uh, there's so many G's in there, you know. Fucking right. You no, know, just whoosh. see you later. But you said <laughs> you were feeling the best. Yeah, I never felt better on my bike, which is incredible, really. Yeah. Yeah, that must be a pretty empowering feeling. Yeah, just to know that, you know, like if, if anyone's listening, if anyone is at a point in their life where they're they're down in the dumps and they're burnt out, or you just, you know, you just got no drive in anything that, you know, you can't pick yourself back up again and and uh, and get yourself back on top. I guess that's what I, I take a lot from your story, mate. Is you had a lot of times where you could have just given up and you'd never have. Even after the accident, you still yeah. find new things. You're always, you're always going. Yeah. Do you think yeah. you, do you think your mentality is quite a unique one? Because it doesn't sound like one that you kind of come across every day. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I mean, do you, do you consider yourself to be the same as everyone else? Or like, do you just think this I is think something? So. I think so. I don't think you are, mate. <laughs> no. I meet a lot of people and I meet a lot of successful people. And I don't know how many people would have the state of mind you've got. Like, like recently we had Eddie Hall on, who was like the world's strongest man, and he he, he reminds me of you in a way because he's the type who he wants to do things that have never been done before. Right. And that's very much in post crash beforehand. The tricks you wanted to do were never done before. You know what I mean? But um, that's what it's all about. Yeah. If you take someone's sort of superpower away from them in in an instance. I don't know. I, think, I don't know how many people would be able to just change, yeah, into something completely different and find something totally different. 
Yeah. You know what was crazy is uh, after the third day of uh, being in that trauma unit. Yeah. I opened my eyes and uh, there's these two guys next to me, sat down next to me. One like weird, like mad scientist looking guy. And the other guy, uh, probably about 50. These are the doctors, are they? Well, these, the thing was absolutely bizarre is the guy that looked like the mad scientist was Christopher Reeve's doctor. Wow. And uh, and he worked with Christopher for eight years. And, uh, and the guy next to him was the world's first fully recovered quadriplegic. So that was just like, and and they're comparing the MRIs, and uh, and it's like strikingly similar, right? And uh, so it was just, and these guys were just like, I mean, it was it's right there in front of me. It's possible, you know. Or uh, so that was just great motivation, man. I mean, very lucky that you know I had. Superman's that vision, doctor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy, right? I mean, uh, you, you had you had a one percent chance, and, yeah. and you made it. Yeah. How does so, that feel to be in that one percent? Sometimes it feels. Um. Sometimes it feels like. You know you. There's. Well, you see where this injury comes up you see someone that's paralyzed and that's all you see you don't see all the other complications and health things that come with it the pneumonias the urinary tract infections the sores the, uh, I mean it's just you really, there's a lot more than just not being able to move physically yeah there's yeah. a hell of a lot more yeah and uh, even though I can't really feel below my shoulders I, I became very much more aware of my body and that doesn't really make too much sense because I can't feel it mm. but I'm very aware of where my limbs are where they're positioned uh, making sure that I'm not going to get any uh, stay away from all these uh, health complications I mean, Christopher Reeve, he died of a bed sore. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Yeah. But, so... Do you think you've become a more conscious person? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, that's what I'm picking up from you, like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because the, the man who's made all of these silly decisions in the past, I don't think you'd make any of them now. Nah, no way. You know what I mean? Nah, nah, i got to do everything, you know, just to to be there for my kids you know mm-hmm. I mean I got um, uh, yeah it's uh, it's crazy it's crazy the, uh-huh. so, so the man the man who recovered who was sitting next to you you said they're comparing the MRIs right how long and what process did he go through to recover and sort of how similar is your situation to his his whole life like 30 or 35 years and that sort of gives you an element of hope that 
yeah as a recovery process that's the thing is, is everyone's entitled to hope yeah you know that's the number that's the one thing that you've got and when you and you know in the trauma units and flatline and blah blah is the hope you always got the hope and the doctors will come in like when I first got hurt they came in see my family and they're like your son's gonna be not gonna be able to sit up again he's gonna be breathing on a, a respirator for his whole life mm-hmm. alright it's, it's just like a story mm-hmm. I mean that broke my family down but I was like no that's not the way I'm gonna be you know it's not, doctors can't dictate the way it's gonna be you know there's there's always miracles that happen no there's not always miracles but there are miracles mm. that happen that doctors can't even they can't explain it you know and mm. and and that to me that just that god-given miracles that just happens on his time and not yours so you know i've i've engaged myself in rehabilitation since my accident like non-stop and uh and at the beginning I thought it'd be like going into a gym and I'm gonna fucking lift some weights and I'm gonna you know grind my teeth and you know just make it happen uh slow man it's snail slow uh, can you give us um, an idea of what it was like on day one and what it's like for you now by comparison well, the first bit of rehabilitation I did was was weaning off the ventilator, like coming off it. For mm. so, when they first brought me off it, I lasted twenty seconds. I was thinking that would scare the shit out of me. Ah, oh, man, it's the I'd be worst. <clears throat> it's, it's the worst, man. Yeah. And then uh, you're back on the vent. So it's like, and then you get to like. What were you doing when they first took the ventilator off you? What, how did you react? <coughs> trying to breathe yeah trying to breathe and then they, they you know they're monitoring you very closely mm-hmm. and uh and then they'll see when you're getting into trouble and they'll put you back on and then I built up to 50 seconds and then it was a minute and then two minutes and then four minutes and you know it going to start to get more and more but at the same time you're getting getting a little something and then boom back smack back down you know back to the death grip you know alright and then eventually I got up to 18 hours off and my and then my carbon dioxide level built up so high that I went all the way back down to 2 ah mm. oh, man it's just that was just it's like climbing worst. a fucking ladder and then just falling right back oh yeah again. smack you back down there yeah um, so so that was the first bit of you know so that was then when I realised oh it's going to be a fucking long haul uh, was it you know like all of the training you did for the BMX and that and you know it, although it's a totally different sort of objective yeah. that you've got to take on here was that training yourself to do one thing you used to train in yourself training so in a way you have it's sort of your mind is kind of built for this shit fall off your bike get back on i think uh, everything 
in my life leading up to this was was fucking designed for that's what you it know, feels getting like. through what I'm I've got getting through. Yeah. Yeah. So and then then the next thing was like just sitting up out of bed. Just straight sitting up as soon as I came up past forty five degrees I'd pass out. Mm. And so then you had to learn to build that up. It's just very small increments. And you know, my dad explained it to me in the beginning and I didn't really understand what he's talking about, but I get it now. Uh-huh. He's like, hey son, he said, you, you're like a flower. And he's like, you get the seed and you plant it. It doesn't grow very quickly. It takes some time, but if you water it, you give it art, you know, you give it all the things it needs to grow. Slowly but surely, like it'll, it'll grow. And he's like, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Take some strength from a dad to say that it was son who's going through that. What's your relationship yeah. with him like now? Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's good. And I don't live with my. You know, I see my mom every day. Uh-huh. Or I see my dad every couple of weeks or something. You know, so that was what it was like then. Oh. Uh, has all the work you've put in really made a massive difference to your life would you say like because I don't know like you're sitting in front of us now do, do, are there ever times you need to be put back on the ventilator these days no so that's it you know what one time one time because like when you, when I go to sleep at night or when I would go to sleep at night huh? you know your breathing shallows down don't it Big so time. your oxygen uh, saturation goes down but at the same time as that going down you've got your carbon dioxide levels build up because you can't well I couldn't uh, expel the carbon dioxide and breathe it out so uh, one morning uh, I woke up and uh, and then nurse was there and you know we're doing little exercises and, and she said that I wasn't making much sense and I uh, and I got up that day and I was in the chair and I have a, like a phone stand and the phone sits in front of me and I use like a, a little mouth stylus to operate the phone and the carbon dioxide poisoned my whole body and brain so much that I couldn't f- I, I was trying to call my dad and I was I was trying so hard and I just I couldn't figure out how to do it mm. And then the next thing, I woke up on a ventilator. I'm freaking, I got the death grip again. And it shit's down my throat. And I can't talk. I can't do anything. I was like, Jesus, help. You know, it's bad. All right. And then I spent 18 hours on that. Because I'd also got pneumonia at the time. Really bad. Uh And then I spent two weeks on... two weeks fighting through that yeah so I made it again <laughs> and uh you're all fighting mate aren't you yeah you gotta be in you yeah yeah um so back to the guy that was sat next to me with the scientist guy mm-hmm. uh 
his name's Patrick Wormerfield, he's, he's a, an amazing guy. Uh, and the things that he, he has conquered, the, the triathlons and the just the feats that he's taken on, like it's just, this has made him a much stronger, much uh, more rounded guy. And, uh, and I try to be like that guy. Mm. Well, you've, you've achieved something in this book as well. Yeah. You've written your whole life story so that other people can read about your journey. Yeah. It's called Staying Strong. Uh, I think it was an easy title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you said that you wrote this uh, over six months, five hours every day. Yeah. Five hours Monday to Friday. Yeah. Mm. Just dictating. Yeah, I would, I would regurgitate it out of my mouth, and then my friend Lee Martin, mm -hmm. I, my best friends, he uh, just wrote it all down, and then, uh, and then yeah, and then and then the, the ghostwriter, uh, John McDonald, yeah, he uh, he'll make it read properly, you know. One little story I found interesting from one of your friends, who was a bit one of the BMX lads, was that um, after um, the crash. You got a phone call from David Beckham. Oh yeah. What what was that like? Was that a surprise? Or? Yeah, I was I was in the uh, gym. I was doing rehabilitation, and uh, and some commotion, and they're like, "Oh, somebody's on the phone for you." Uh, and I just thought it was one of my mates. I'm like, and I used my rehabilitation time was precious to me, so I was, I'll get it later. You know, I'm like. I'm, I'm walking out. That's it, mm. and uh, and then they come back again, and and I, you know, fuck them off again, and then uh, and then I realised that like, you know, somebody was it was important. And I had to take the call. When I got to the room, I, my friend at the time, Kimmery, she passed me the phone, and put it to my ear. And I was like, hello, and I. Uh, He's like, oh, hi, Stephen. Uh, it's David Beckham. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just, it was just, in, you know, I was in disbelief. Yeah. And uh, and he was so cool, man. Like, you know, we chatted for a good 20 minutes, half an hour. Uh -huh. And uh, someone that famous that, 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 you know, I mean, he's in the Super League of his own, you yeah? to take time to notice you know what, what what's going on and mm -hmm. and uh and then to yeah to spend time talking to me and you know signing things for me and you know it's it's pretty amazing mm. he's a special dude for sure yeah. yeah what are you hoping to achieve with this book what is the the goal well the number one goal for that is that I want people to be able to extract from that positivity and, 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 and the power of what it can do and then if uh, also if, you know there are millions of people out there that are paralyzed also they can learn from this and gain from this and, and mold themselves into uh, being a, a better person and and to uh, to remember that you know if you think you got nothing left, reach inside and dig deeper. Mm -hmm. And there's always something you can find. Yeah. yeah. You're a fucking inspiration, man. Uh -huh. 
appreciate you coming down. Have you yeah. got you got any more no, questions? Been chatty, yeah. well, um, let, me, let me uh get a drink real quick and then I gotta touch on something. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. Don't worry about that. But all the time in the world, pal. Yeah, I'm you alright? Yeah, yeah. No worries, mate. Take your time. Appreciate you bringing this down, mate. Is that ah, if I keep it? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's such a fucking class shot. Some good pictures in there. Yeah. yeah, that one was the that one you got your page open at? The crash. Yeah, the one, yeah. It's fucking pretty gnarly, yeah. You, you can see you all the dirt on my back when yeah. I crash. The double flip before it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people just wa watching in the background. Yeah. I've never actually seen the... Um, I've never watched a video of the actual crash um, on yeah, the, the videos. It always sort of it cuts got, it out. Yeah, it got pulled. To be honest, it's not something I really need to see anyway. Yeah. It's, so I, I mean, I, I, had to, I had to see that. I had to see the crash. Because I want to know why I'm like this. Yeah, I, I yeah. want to see if I was you for sure because I yeah. want to know exactly what happened. You know, people are like, people, like, why do you want to see the crash? Well, I just want to see what I did wrong and what went wrong. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, when we do the the preview, would you would you rather us not show it or kind of show part of it and cut? No, that no, bit no, off? I don't mind. Are you? Not, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Just rather ask you, mate, just so I know what's best. Yeah, cool. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Or? Yeah, I just want to touch on my fiance real quick. Yeah, great. It's quite, quite special. I uh, so when I was about twenty two, I went to I went to Florida with my best friend, uh -huh. and I uh, and my a girl like called Erica uh, you know we just instantly was like you know I love this girl uh, so then I flew her back out to California and uh, and, and I liked this girl so much but I knew that I, I was in my prime of, on my on my bike and it wasn't the right timing. It time. wasn't the right timing at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe about five, six years after my accident. Because what we haven't said, I don't think, is that you divorced, You got divorced from the mother of your yeah. children. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, about five, six years after my accident. Or I, uh, she got in contact with me and I... Uh, and then she came out, and I uh, with her two kids, Chance and Brooklyn, and uh, and she didn't see me any different, mm. and and that's like, that's so huge to me because you don't see all the she don't care about all the material stuff, you know, and uh, and then, dude, I was it, I fell in love, and and uh. And it, and it was it was difficult because she she lived in Florida. And she has two children, and and I live in California. And uh, and at the time I, I'd uh, I'd got uh, you know a really bad pneumonia. Yeah. And uh, and it was really sketchy. My carer had left too, and uh, 
and you know, I was looking after my two kids. I've had them full custody for like six years. All right. Uh, so you're, just, there, you're the primary carer? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I knew then I needed I needed help. You know, I tried to do this all by, by myself with, with the help of others, but uh, I needed family at this point, you know? Mm. And, uh, and, you know, my dad, is, he came across God so many times, man. To, to help me out yeah. uh, and then uh, you know I just decided that I was torn between going to Florida and going back to England I just didn't you know you want to be with the person you love but at the same time I got to deal with my current situation and, and your your sons are the most important thing yeah yeah exactly uh, so so yeah, we so we spent a year apart, mm. and then uh, God, it was only like, you know, we start talking maybe like four months ago, and then and she came over. She came over a month ago for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then I uh, would back on again. Yeah, it's amazing. So you, so you, you proposed, go, yeah? Uh, not yet, not yet. Are you gonna I'm, gonna re- <laughs> I'm gonna redo that one. Good man. Yeah. Good man. Well, uh, yeah. I'm I'm really happy for you, mate. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And I'm sure everyone who's watching is as well. Because one thing that is crystal clear to me is you're a really good human being. You're a good bloke. <laughs> thanks, mate. Honestly, and I hope this scans fantastically well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Best of luck on that. I'll pro- I'll put the link in the description below so anyone who wants to buy it can just click straight on it from this video. Fantastic. Man. And uh, one question I'd like to end it with. Yeah. How would you like to be remembered, mate? Uh, I, I'd like to be remembered as someone that can make the impossible possible. And I'm still yet to do that. But yeah, it's gonna happen. Best of luck, mate. I'm uh, sure if anyone can do it, it's probably you. Uh-huh. Right. Thanks, um, man. If you've enjoyed this video, uh, don't forget to hit the like button um, and subscribe. Uh, all the links to Stephen's social media will be there and the book. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you later. Peace. Uh-huh. Nice